This is District Sentinel Radio. It's that newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. And we're broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out our website, districtsentinel.com. Got some FOIA follies coming up in just a little bit. Garbage can at the end of the show. But as we're recording, Sam and I are waiting for the release of the Trump warrant, the Trump raid warrant. It's expected to uh, be made public sometime around 3 p.m. Eastern time. The Department of Justice filed a motion for it to be made public. Trump's legal team apparently has no problem with it being made public. So we'll have a bit more information on that. I mean, we won't get the affidavit or anything, so we won't get the goods on what was behind this raid, but we will get more information on you know, what was what they were looking for, what the feds were looking for here. The uh, Wall Street Journal appears to have already received the uh, that they call the receipt that the person whose house gets raided gets from the feds that like lists all the things that they took. Can I get a, a tax deduction on this raid? <laughs> he would try. Uh, apparently, a- agents removed 11 sets of classified documents, including some marked as top secret and meant to be only available in special government facilities. The FBI took around 20 boxes of items, binders of photos, a handwritten note, uh, and the executive grant of clemency for Mr. Trump's ally, Roger Stone. <laughs> Put that shit in a museum. Uh, also included in the list was information about the president of France. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, it doesn't list anything here uh, specifically about nuclear uh, secrets, as the Washington Post reported on Thursday night. But it does say the list includes references to one set of documents marked as various classified top secret uh, SCI documents. Um, which means sensitive compartment, compartmented information which means you're only supposed to read that shit in like a skiff. Um, so that maybe that could be some of the uh, that could include nuclear secrets. But again, it uh, doesn't specify any detail about what is uh, in these documents. Well, we, we also didn't expect um, the search warrant documents, the subpoena documents, whatever, however you want to describe them. We didn't expect them to outline exactly what it is uh, that had officials so worried. So yeah, this this could definitely be a reference to the nuclear secrets um, if indeed Trump had them as the Washington Post reported. We've seen various responses from the Trump camp uh, to this raid. One of it uh, being that this was gross overreach by uh, the agents. Uh, the other being that, oh, he did nothing wrong. Obama also took classified documents that contain nuclear secrets. That was what Trump said on Friday. And he, the third he said one. That, he said that Barack Hussein right, Obama. Barack Hussein Obama. He dropped me. the Hussein he like, it's, like it's 2010 all over again. Just throwing everything at the wall here. Trump also has alleged that the FBI planted documents. So uh, they planted the the nuclear documents, but it's also fine because Obama had nuclear documents too. (laughs)
It's like the kid in the principal's office who's just fucking pulling shit out left and right, hoping that something, something will change the principal's mind. The New York Times did not confirm the Washington Post reporting, by the way. I, I think we should note that so far, the Washington Post is the only uh, outlet to say that Trump had nuclear secrets. And there's but obviously the t- good reason to be skeptical of that, as any report in a major newspaper that's only uh, that's relied upon by anonymous sources within the intelligence or law enforcement community. But this one's so good, I want it to be true. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the New York Times, um, its reporting is somewhat consistent with what the Post said. It said that the uh, material was, quote, related to some of the most highly classified programs run by the United States. Uh, investigators had been concerned about material from what the government calls special access programs, a designation that is typically reserved for extremely sensitive operations carried out by the U.S. abroad or for closely held technologies and capabilities. Remember so, hearing about that stuff during the Snowden leaks. I That was in one ear and out the other for me. I was like, ooh, special access programs. You learn a new thing every day. <laughs> So what that what the hell do you think he was doing with these? Uh was there not reporting in the journal that said that it could also have to do with um CIA sources or did I make that up in my head? Uh I didn't see that. Let me just uh consult the uh magic computer box real quick. Uh, ah, yes. Newsweek exclusive from two hours ago. Trump raid documents could reveal informants on U.S. payroll. <laughs> Jesus. That is like the, <laughs> that is like the most prized secret right there. <laughs> so so what is he doing with this shit? Like like it could obviously vary uh, from a number of different things from him from like the far more nefarious reasons, like he's trying to sell nuclear secrets to the Saudis or something. To the uh, extremely mundane but very Trumpish, like he just occasionally will whip out a top secret document to brag about having it or to impress someone at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, I mean, he could. This could also be another thing that he would sell to the Saudis. Um, and I mean, we've seen extensive ties uh, between Trump world and the Saudi royal family. Um, Jared Kushner has an investment firm that is has ties to Saudi Arabia, and so does uh, Steve Mnuchin. Trump is uh, involved with the Saudi golf tournament. Is he? Is he not? You're yeah. you're a golf specialist. He the he's, Live Series, yeah. The Live the Series, yeah. He's hosting. Uh, um, he already did. Yeah, he hosted a tournament two weeks ago where uh, Tucker Carlson and Marjorie Taylor Greene attended and partied with him. Where Ivana Trump was buried to, <laughs> to, to, to get tax credits or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, either of these things could be ostensibly sold to the Saudis just looking for uh, motivation. Although when looking for motivation in uh, how Trump acts the way he does, it's it's really impossible to try to attach any kind of logic to it. But what we do know is that 
what the reporting says is that he has some definitely top top secret shit whether it's <laughs> nuclear secrets or secrets about sources it's like boxes um, of this shit too like he and th- like he 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 made a choice at some point before he left the white house to bring this stuff with him down to mar-a-lago oh yes but for and, what and like they- i can't imagine he would like now like obviously he's a a criminal and he's engaged, been engaged his whole career in all sorts of like various, uh, petty crimes all the way up to like, you know, ser- fairly more serious crimes as president, like taking that step of, uh, of selling secrets to foreign adversaries or foreign governments almost seems like a step too far. Like, unless he just, I mean, he has to understand that that's like, you can't, it's hard to get away with that. <laughs> I mean, these are the two things that it's incredibly easy to explain to people on the street that why this classification system exists. I mean, obviously there's overclassification and the government keeps secret way more things than it uh, needs to or should but these are like the two things that you could just walk up to anyone on the street and say, you know, should the should government officials be allowed to do whatever they want with nuclear secrets and 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 snitches and you know, people <laughs> will probably say no 9 out of 10 times, 19 out of 20 times and if they say yes it's cuz um, you know, they want to bring the shit down. One funny thing about this is how at the start of the week you had an entire parade of Republicans who were tearing their clothes, beating their chests, screaming bloody murder about how Trump is being wronged, he's being targeted, this is part of the witch hunt, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And now that some of the reporting has come out, they, they're, they're sort of uh, dialing it back a little. The New York Times reported, quote, some senior Republicans have been warned by allies of Mr. Trump not to continue to be too aggressive in criticizing the Justice Department and the FBI over the matter because it is possible that more damaging information related to the search will become public. It's also like leading to stochastic terrorism. (laughs) Like there was the fucking dude who went out and shot up the FBI in Cincinnati. And of course, when I hear a story like that of a chud going after the the FBI, I'm like, let him fight. But it still is a uh, story worth remarking on because here's someone who, after the raid, was tweeting on or posting on Truth Social, the uh, the, uh, the Trump's, MAGA, Trump yeah, social, Trump media. social media site uh, that, you know, this is a call to arms, you know, shoot on site. And uh, he gets a gun and goes to try to like, uh, ambush an FBI building, clearly in retaliation for this raid. Um, you know, a guy willing to commit suicide by cop because the reality TV show president got raided by the FBI. And, you know, people would be less likely to do that sort of stuff if, you know, Republicans didn't, you know, if Republicans cut him loose or like didn't play up the idea that this was uh, an occupation by the FBI. They're planting evidence. This is a government capture. But uh, 
I'm, you know, there are, and we'll get into this later, you know, some Republicans who are taking a hard stand against the FBI now. Uh, you can't trust them, obviously, when they say defund the FBI. Again, we'll get into this, but um, vast majority of those in the Republican Party are still very uncomfortable with going after the FBI. Yeah, although uh, if anyone in the Republican Party would go after the FBI, albeit in a very selective and weird manner, it's Rand Paul who uh, latched on to the uh, excuse the, uh, the it was planted. <laughs> Trump is like some sort of uh, Fred Hampton-like figure, and they just wanted to stitch him up uh, so, so bad, even though he basically his entire... Uh, uh, raison d'être was to let cops do whatever they want. There was also a interesting defense from Congressman Mike Turner, who is the ranking Republican on the House Intelligence Committee. Um, it was reported this morning that the House Freedom Caucus, a, 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 a sort of far right group within the Republican Party, as if it's not all far right at this point. Um, but anyway, they had canceled a press conference defending Trump um, when some of these details started to come out. But the House Intelligence Committee Republicans nevertheless decided to uh, brave the crowd and uh, defend the president, uh, the ex-president. And uh, Mike Turner, basically his take was that not all nuclear weapons info is truly classified. And uh, you can just look it up on your phone. Okay, but some of it really is, too. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I can I, find a GAO report about uh, nuclear weapons, you know. But these are documents that had the highest security markings on them. Yeah, well, we will find out. We'll probably know more by the time uh, this episode comes out. And, yeah. um, you know, at the end of the day, we just have to tip our hats to uh, Louise Minch because the death penalty, it brings me no pleasure to report, could be on the table for President Trump. We don't make the rules. That's just what happens. I did remark on Twitter that I considered this a top five Trump movement. I'm not sure where in the top five, because number one is him getting COVID. Uh, yeah, it's it's, was, it's around there for sure. That was that was by far. Uh, person on Twitter uh, at twelve mark thirty one uh, responded with their own top five moment list, in which they also ranked Trump getting COVID as number one, the raid on Mar-a-Lago slash nuclear secrets as number two, number three they put Coldberger Mountain which I think refers to uh, when Trump put out the spread of McDonald's for the uh, college football team. I think it was Alabama or something. Yeah, whoever won the national Which was a pretty good Trump moment. Uh, then they said, you know, insert your own personal favorite in number four, and then number five is Trump staring at the eclipse without uh, any eye protection. Yeah, indeed, that, that was a good one. Uh, number four could be when he was notified that uh, Ruth... Bader Ginsburg died while Tiny Dancer was playing somewhere in the off in the distance. Uh, that was another uh, classic Trump moment. 
Yeah, when he told that uh, kid that uh, he was seven years old, so his belief in Santa Claus should be marginal <laughs> at that point. That was, I'll, I'll hand him that. That was pretty good. Yes. I, I'm a little curious about what the dirt he had on Emmanuel Macron was, and I have to imagine it was something about his handshake weaknesses. <laughs> Or like, was was it his own personal observations that that Trump wrote down about Macron? Or like, because you know, part of the Snowden revelations were we're basically spying on everybody, including allies, including the French president. So is Trump receiving briefings, classified briefings about what Macron is up to, from surveillance gathered on Macron, and then he's just keeping those documents? I guess we'll find out soon enough, or never. All right. Moving on, I uh, hope you are uh, okay with handling this pandemic on your own, Sam Knight, because the CDC's new guidelines basically says you're on your own. And really, we've been on our own since the get-go, so nothing uh, has really changed, even though more than 3,000 people are dying every week of COVID-19, even though the fall and winter seasons are approaching in which Historically, we've seen the pandemic uh, be at its most damaging to the population. Even though school is about to start, and schools have been vectors of the virus, even though all these things are happening, the CDC decided to release more relaxed guidelines. Uh, and these aren't rules. The CDC can't make any like rules on this stuff. They just issue guidelines that Governments are then supposed to put into practice. So when the CDC says ah, our guidance are particularly weak, then the regulations that are put in place by governments will be uh, pretty weak. Uh, we've got now the vaccinated and unvaccinated are treated the same as far as these guidelines go. So if you are unvaccinated and you've been exposed to COVID-19, you haven't tested positive yet, but a close contact has tested positive. Previously, you were advised to quarantine for five days. Now, no longer. Now you can continue on uh, with your life, though it is recommended you wear a mask. Uh, the CDC no longer recommends asymptomatic testing. A lot of uh, workplaces and schools regularly tested their employees uh, and teachers and students to uh, keep surveillance on the virus to prevent spread. That's no longer being recommended. There's a de-emphasis on social distancing. You know, a lot of this stuff was already the status quo, right? Like nobody was really, we had given up on mitigating the virus a long time ago. The CDC now giving justification for that attitude. Well, uh, congratulations to all the um, all, all the shrill uh, uh, social media users who are trying to call the manager on teachers unions because you have officially won. That is really what this is about. Um, the Department of Education uh, issued a statement to coincide with the updated CDC guidance. Uh, Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona said, quote, this latest guidance from the CDC should give our students, parents, and educators the confidence they need to head back to school this year with a sense of joy and optimism. 
So uh, there's more. There's no need to uh, read what he said. But this is what it's about. They they just want to reassure all the screaming parents out there that their uh, that their free childcare will not cease because of a deadly pandemic that is still killing like three thousand people a week. Yeah, and that still has a lot of potential to mutate into other <laughs> variants. Like there, we we've thrown the precautionary principle completely out the window here, in terms of like doing just sort of the bare minimum to protect people's lives. There was just a study that was published this week, um, that looked into schools in Massachusetts because last year, Massachusetts schools halfway through the school year got rid of the mask mandates, which created a pretty, uh, you know interesting test subject to see what effect that had on COVID spread. And sure enough, it led to more COVID cases. There was a clear distinction from, uh, you know, clear delineation before and after the mask mandate and cases shot straight up. Um, we're getting rid of the mask mandate. We're getting rid of uh, regular testing and, you know, just tracking COVID spread. Maybe my timeline is off, but that that basically the same thing happened with commercial airline flights where they uh, they were like, you know what, no masks. Uh, that federal judge shot down the um, FAA mask mandate, and uh, the Biden administration was like, well, that gives us the excuse to um, stop pretending like we care. And then uh, planes sort of turned into um, incubators for the virus, and uh, commercial airliners have had to cancel flights left and right. Yeah. Which Pete Buttigieg as secretary of transportation has done nothing about. There's also the issue of long COVID and how the precautionary principle should apply there. Should we be adopting a let it rip strategy when we don't fully understand the long-term implications of acquiring COVID? Tim Kaine, Senator Tim Kaine has been out talking about this a lot because he has it. He's had it for years. He got COVID in March 2020. He just gave an interview to Politico this week and talked about how he still has tingling in his nerves and how his wife is still sick for years. They've had it for years. There's not uh, enough known about this. And, you know, estimates are that one in four people who get COVID could have long term effects from it. 100 million people have gotten COVID. <laughs> it's a lot of people. That's a lot of people that could potentially be disabled. And, you know, there already are an estimated, you know, couple million people who can't participate in the workforce anymore due to long COVID. But we're just, this is the new normal, I guess. Like this is, this is the way it, it, it it's going to be. We're just, and, and people say, oh, well, this is just going to be like the flu. But it's not just like the flu because we don't, you know, we don't know. We don't know enough about this variant yet. We don't know enough about this. This uh, coronavirus yet. Yeah, you should have stopped saying that this would be like the flu in February 2020. You know, full disclosure, I at first was like, ah, it'll probably be just like the flu. And uh, I was wrong. Big time. <laughs> I mean, at some point it might be just like the flu, like. But that also doesn't mean we should let it rip, too. <laughs> like, we do have pretty consistent, like, flu shot regimen for people. 
we don't have that yet for COVID. Like there's no, I don't, when, you know, how, when was the last time you had your third shot? God, um, a long time ago. I think it was December. I've, I've been waiting to be eligible for a second booster and for a long time. And I want that second booster. Well, you know, vaccines are waning. We know that vaccine effectiveness wanes over time. That's why we were recommended to get a booster like six months after you got your two-dose regimen. Most people who got their third booster, it's now been eight, nine, 10, 11 months. You have to assume that that booster has worn off. And as someone who got my booster in November and got COVID last month, I got sick as shit for like four days. Wouldn't recommend at all. Like I, you know, I didn't at any point think I was going to die or that I needed to go to the hospital or anything. So the vaccine was effective, you know, probably in preventing a more serious illness. But like there's a highly contagious variant out there right now and there's no guidance for what people should do whose boosters are waning. And the FDA did just come out in the last week or so telling people under 50, because people over the age of 50 and immunocompromised people could get their second booster, their fourth shot, but not under 50. Now the new guidance from the FDA is don't go get your booster if you're under 50, your, your fourth shot, your second booster, fourth shot. Wait until the fall when there's going to be a new an improved vaccine that comes out that takes into account more of these variants. So that's going to happen in the fall. I'm not sure how many months away that is. But for a lot of people who no longer have effective immunity from their vaccine and are um, you know, operating in this very contagious environment with these Omicron subvariants, they're just going to get sick. Like they're going to get sick. The government is saying you are going to get sick. We do not have a means to keep you from getting sick. And the CDC is relaxing its guidance. It will make it even easier to get sick, which kind of sucks. Like that's, that's like totally on your own here. And I don't even know, you know, we can't even be sure that we're going to get those fall vaccines because Congress hasn't raised any more money for the pandemic effort. And back in April, the White House was saying that if it doesn't have any new funding, it won't be able to buy new vaccines. <laughs> so maybe maybe the government's not buying vaccines and it's going to be up to us to buy them. Maybe the new fall vaccine is going to be, you know, you got to have insurance or pay out of pocket for it. This could be a part of um, heightened tensions between the United States and China. This is the U.S. government saying that it's no longer interested in the mandate of heaven. <laughs> Moving on, an inspector general report released this week sheds new light on how the United States is indifferent to the plight of the poor. During the Trump years, FEMA failed to spend $58 million on assistance to the homeless, according to the internal watchdog of the Department of Homeland Security. The money represents 10.4% of all grant funds given by Congress to the agency's Emergency Food and Shelter Program, EFSP, between fiscal years 2017 and 2020. About half of that unspent money was allocated by the CARES Act, one of the main coronavirus relief bills passed by Congress, which really drives home how terribly we've handled the pandemic if it wasn't already evident 
by the uh, CDC order that we just discussed. Reading from the report, quote, although the board has reallocated $13 million, it has not yet reallocated $45 million, which could have been put to better use more quickly to to provide urgently needed services. $45 million might be a rounding error in federal budget terms, but that money can go a long way when spent on helping the poorest of the poor. EFSP was established by Congress in the 1980s to help local organizations that offer food, shelter, and other types of support to individuals and families in crisis who are either facing the loss of permanent shelter or are already living without it. According to the IG report, and this really gets to the heart of the issue, EFSP is, quote, made up of one full-time FEMA employee who handles the day-to-day oversight of the entire program. Some rare good news, one of Elon Musk's companies was denied almost $1 billion in subsidies. Grants for SpaceX satellite internet service Starlink were canceled by the FCC this week after approval for the money was advanced in December 2020 by President Trump's top telecoms regulator, Ajit Pai. Pai's successor, Jessica Rosenworcel, said Starlink, quote, failed to meet program requirements put forth risky proposals and also said that it, quote, failed to demonstrate that the providers could deliver the promised service. Rosenworcel also cited concerns about Starlink's technology and the fact that customers have to pay $600 for hardware, saying, quote, Starlink has real promise, but the question before us was whether to publicly subsidize its still developing technology for consumer broadband, which requires that users purchase a $600 dish with nearly $900 million in universal service funds until 2032. When Ajit Pai approved the money, consumer advocacy group Free Press accused him of subsidizing a service for the rich, noting the money had been approved for service in cities and areas near airports, both of which generally have broadband infrastructure. Moving on to a bit of a switcheroo from the dynamic at play in the Starlink story, Lawmakers are calling on a top regulator to withdraw permission granted during the Trump administration for banks to engage in crypto-related activities. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Sheldon Whitehouse, and Dick Durbin said that the regulator, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, has, quote, exposed the banking system to unnecessary risk in not reversing the order. The four lawmakers said that acting head of the OCC, Michael Sue, a Biden appointee, is effectively executing an industry-friendly policy with only a sheen of concern for reckless activity. In November, Sue attached conditions to a permissive guidance issued by his predecessor, saying that banks involved in crypto must be able to demonstrate that they can operate safely unless they had already been involved in crypto when Sue made the declaration. (laughs) Specifically, he said, quote, Banks already engaged in cryptocurrency, distributed ledger, or stablecoin activities as of the date of publication of this letter do not need to obtain supervisory non-objection. Seems like that would include most banks. In other words, Sue inserted a grandfather clause allowing banks that were already gambling in the crypto casino to let it ride. Hell yeah, baby. Policy helped mainstream crypto. To be clear, gambling, whatever, do it. Uh, Just don't do it with uh, federally insured deposits. Maybe not a great idea. And also, you know, 
gambling not for everyone. Uh, maybe maybe don't do it if it's not for you or if you can't keep a lid on it. But um, you know, there are people out there who can help. The guidance helped bring cryptocurrency into the mainstream with help from financial institutions just before the market crashed earlier this year, wiping out some $2 trillion in value in global markets. To drive home how twisted this is, Sue's predecessor was Brian Brooks, who went from the crypto industry to serving as acting OCC head under Trump, and then back into the crypto industry after Biden was inaugurated. This happened in less than a year. They don't call it the revolving door for nothing. It goes round <laughs> and round, baby. Also, the firm that Brooks served as an executive for before joining the Trump administration was none other than Coinbase, which is currently under investigation by the SEC for running an unregistered securities exchange. So he's not exactly the dude you want crafting policy that integrates banking with crypto, as if the policy itself wasn't bad enough with crypto being ridden with scams, as if you needed any less faith in the economic system. I ain't got any more faith left when it comes to that. <laughs> Running on empty here. All right, time for FOIA Follies. What do you got cooking up for us, Sam? Some quick updates on this week's Follies. First, an update on a crypto-related request. In May, we asked the Securities and Exchange Commission for any cost-benefit analysis related to the doubling of its crypto assets and cyber unit, and the agency got back saying there were none. Not that every government action should have to be justified with a cost-benefit analysis. I was just curious to see if the SEC was tying the expansion to a forecast of fallout from the crypto meltdown, I suspect if that had been the case, the crypto unit would have been at least tripled or quadrupled instead of doubled. Another update on a story we have followed, though nothing to do with one of our requests directly, Washington, D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine announced Thursday that local groups who have helped migrants bus to D.C. by Republican governors of southern border states can get some money. They can apply for grants from his office for reimbursement for them taking the initiative and helping these migrants. Racine said that each grant will be capped at $50,000, and the total amount of money earmarked for the program is only $150,000. <laughs> That's not enough. Still, no. But still, it goes to show that local officials can and should actually do something despite our cruel mayor, Muriel Bowser, just sort of shrugging your shoulders and claiming it's not her problem. Just like calling in federal troops instead. Yeah. Hopefully some of that money will go to people who have helped with mutual aid, like Claire, who we had on a few weeks ago, to talk about this issue. Speaking of interviews, before we bring out the garbage can, we have a surprise special guest. Hmm. Next month, she won't be available to come on the show because she's starting daycare. Here is an interview with my seven-month-old daughter, Alana. Okay, sweetie. Do you have anything to report to the listeners? Is crawling making good progress? Are you making good progress on crawling? How does the microphone taste? 
Does it is it made out of interesting material? Do the textures feel nice on your tongue? Anything to add? I'm hearing reports that you are enjoying solid foods. Can you confirm or deny? We're hearing that you and the cat are getting along well. What are your thoughts on, on that assessment? Do you prefer to be pushed in strollers or do you prefer to be worn on walks? We're hearing that you find it funny when you get raspberried. Can we demonstrate that for the listeners? We hear you like Spaghetti and meatballs blended up in the baby food maker. Confirm or deny? Real third mic potential there. That's right. I, I, I you know, I, I said I wasn't going to make her a child star, and I'm afraid I just walked back that promise, but... I'm I'm not gonna push her into anything else uh, <laughs> that she doesn't want to do. Well, if just thought, uh, just thought it would be cute. If she does want to join the show, she will have to, uh, you know, start at the lowest level. Internal Lana. <laughs> She's got to cut her teeth as Internal Lana first. The teeth she doesn't have yet. <laughs> hey, she ha- she has one or She's two. She's got one. She has two. Oh, two. Yeah. They're coming in. They grow so fast. Starting daycare, getting teeth, joining our podcast. Where does the time go? Well, good to have Alana on. Let's move on to the main events. Interns bring in the garbage can, which Alana contributed to. Threw some diapers in there, I saw. That's right. Thank you, Alana. Thank you, Alana. Come on down, interns. Ooh, boy. Ooh, wow. Yeah. She's been uh she's been real regular. <laughs> uh can't wait till she's older and we can play these episodes for her. Mm. <laughs> That's good. Right there in turns. Very good. All right. Maybe the inter- the internet won't exist by then. <laughs> we can only hope. Garbage candidate number one. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. We 
Explained why at the top of the show. It's a public health agency that isn't even trying anymore. You know, before this relaxed guidance, which basically just reflects, as I said, the uh, general don't give a fuck attitude that the rest of the government has had toward the pandemic. Uh, the CDC previously relaxed their guidelines back in December amid the Omicron surge. And they did that because the airline industry said, all our workers are sick. We need them to come back to work faster. Can you cut down the quarantine time from 10 days to five days? The CDC was like, okay, yeah, sure. So they did it. Even though studies show that if you have COVID and have symptoms, you're contagious from more than five days. You're, you know, you could be contagious up to eight days, even longer. CDC operating just purely on vibes now or at the behest of capital, no longer an agency that uh, is at all interested in public health. Garbage candidate number two. She's back. Hillary Clinton, folks. It's a new book coming out by MSNBC reporter Ali Vitale. And in it is an interview with Hillary Clinton. And God, does she still hate Bernie Sanders so fucking much, dude? <laughs> no, no politician has ever despised another politician. Like, Going all the way back to Burr and Hamilton, right? <laughs> Before, like, you can include them. No one has hated a politician more than Bernie Sanders. Than Hillary Clinton hates Bernie Sanders. Hillary probably would duel Bernie if she could, and she then would somehow murked. end up injuring herself. Yeah, she'd get murked. Uh, so uh, Politico did a write-up of the book, including this excerpt in which Hillary Clinton was asked about that moment during the 2020 race when Elizabeth Warren implied that Bernie Sanders was sexist. Remember that? Of course you remember that. Of course. Anyways, Hillary- the, uh, the, mo- the moment that launched a thousand snakes. Yes. Uh, quote, Hillary Clinton was watching this debate moment too. She said, quote, I believed her because I know Sanders and I know the kind of things that he says about women and to women. <laughs> what? What does... What does he she what does he say about women? Like as far as I know, he's always like advocating on behalf of women, whether it's for abortion, single payer health care. I don't you know, I don't you know uh, equal pay. And what he says to women, what is she implying there? like what what the hell is she talking about here? He's the biggest supporter of the squad and vice versa. We all remember the uh, the Hillary Land meltdown when Rashida Tlaib <laughs> booed Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Clinton goes on to like talk more about this, but I'm not even going to get into it. Uh, she needs to go wander around the woods some more. Yeah, famous judge of who is kind to women, uh, Bill Clinton's wife. Garbage candidate number three, the let's work with Marjorie Taylor Greene to abolish the FBI crowd. This one is a little too online, perhaps, but a number of people who claim to be on the left have been showering praise on Marjorie Taylor Greene for tweeting out abolish the FBI. Brianna Joy Gray, one of them, Jimmy Dore, Crystal Ball. The, the usual sort of like, you know, post-left 
slash liberals uh, who are always looking to compliment Republicans any chance they get. Uh, they think that there is work to be done here, that the left can work with Marjorie Taylor Greene to somehow get rid of the FBI. Of course, the problem here is Marjorie Taylor Greene doesn't actually want to get rid of the FBI. Yeah, she might want to get rid of it in its current iteration, but she absolutely wants to replace it with something else to enforce her like Christian nationalist state. And I think it was uh, 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 Dinesh D'Souza who articulated this the best when he said, we need to defund, dismantle the FBI, clean it out, and then rebuild it. That's what they want to do. Yeah, they've they've been screaming all week about why haven't the uh, why aren't the FBI going after uh, Hunter Biden and uh, AOC and Ilhan Omar uh, and Obama and uh, that this is not things you say if you <laughs> you're taking a principled abolitionist stand. This is like the Cold War era freaks who thought that the CIA and the Pentagon were infiltrated by communists. Uh, the um, Brianna Joy Gray take was particularly bad because, and, and she did this as part of her um, rant on Rising, that Hill show, which uh, is garbage <laughs> and people who, uh, work there tend to like turn into garbage really fast. Um, but this is what, this is what Brianna said, quote, Marjorie Taylor Greene is right about the FBI, bad faith or not. In today's radar, I argue that the left should take advantage of the right's new acknowledgement of systemic bias and push to abolish the FBI. There is no acknowledgement here of systemic bias. And to use an example of the rare time that an elite, politi elite figure, a uh, politician, was raided by the FBI as an example of the agency or the bureau's systemic bias is insane. Like, that's completely absurd. <laughs> like, maybe if the exception proves the rule, like, if that's what you're getting at, that this only happens, like, one time, meanwhile, all these other people are getting raided, sure, but that's not the point that's being made here. The point that's being made here is that somehow Marjorie Taylor Greene understands the systemic bias inherent in the FBI because the FBI is going after conservatives. Yeah, that's that's the systemic bias that they see is it's systemically biased against conservatives, which obviously is insane. And you have to have a, a mold in your skull to think that this is in any way uh, some sort of legitimate push to rein in law enforcement abuses. This is the opposite. They want to make it more abusive. And, I mean, they, this is like people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and whomever else, they're saying defund the FBI. They know that there's absolutely no chance of a standalone defund the FBI bill to come up. Because if there was, they wouldn't vote on it. They want to defund the FBI to replace it with the super duper FBI. Yeah, it's all it's all pathetic and it would be a giant fucking waste of time for the left to work with Marjorie Taylor Greene on anything. She's a fascist. Hey, maybe, maybe they can force the vote on defunding the FBI. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it, gang.
Get the gang back together for, for a 20-person protest. <sighs> Garbage candidate number four, Tulsi Gabbard. Shout out to Owen Higgins for nailing this one several years ago. Uh, so Tulsi, you know, has made uh, a turn to the right uh, over the last year. She's been releasing these selfie videos where she uh, weighs in on whatever reactionary panic that was started, whether it's like critical race theory or the trans uh, panic. She's weighed in on all that stuff, siding with reactionaries. And it's paying off for her because she is now guest hosting Tucker Carlson's show. She filled in as the host this week on the uh, bowtie dipshit fascist Fox News show. Pretty clear she probably is her political. I don't you know, maybe she's into this new media career she's pursuing. She's happy there and will cash out there. But if she intends to run for office again, it's pretty clear she's going to run as a Republican. Yeah, well, I mean, she she'll have to run in a in a deep red district because uh, that's probably the only place she'll win. This is do I understand it correctly that Tucker has been off all week, starting with the um, concerns over the Alex Jones texts? Because we saw a report, I think it was uh, the Daily Beast, that said. Um, Tucker, it was citing an insider source of Fox News that Tucker was scared because he texts every day with Alex Jones. <laughs> and uh, the, this this accidental um, discovery mishap by Jones's lawyer now puts all that at risk. I remember seeing the story about him being spooked. I did not connect that to the fact that he isn't hosting his show right now um but keep an eye on that one that would be uh cool as hell garbage candidate number five msnbc host andrea mitchell she received the rich dick dishonors on means morning news on friday morning and i know we have some crossover audience here but this shit's too good not to uh nominate her as a garbage candidate as well she lives in the Palisades, a pretty ritzy neighborhood in Washington, Northwest Washington, D.C. And she's trying to get the city to turn the neighborhood into, you know, a de facto gated community. She's been showing up at ANC meetings, uh, her and her neighbors, and they want to get uh, through traffic on her streets closed. They want her streets closed to any through traffic. And I'm just going to read some of the reporting here on this uh, this this uh, local news story here that, that's been playing out at these ANC meetings. This is from the Washington City Paper. Quote, Mitchell is part of an increasingly vocal group of neighbors who live along University Terrace Northwest and Chain Bridge Road Northwest in the Tony Northwest Enclave. And they're fighting to see the roads closed to through traffic. They uh, want to prevent commuters from zooming down their streets to reach popular nearby thoroughfares. I guess what happens is when there's traffic, Zoom directs people down her street to get to other major uh, roads. Cars are going fast down her street. Uh, there's kids there. They're worried about it, which, you know, is, is a you know reasonable thing. You don't want people speeding down your street. If you have kids and kids walk to school, it's a dangerous situation. Now, there's a solution here, which would be to install speed humps on the road 
and also put in sidewalks so that the kids going to school have a sidewalk to walk on. There aren't currently sidewalks on these roads. But no, Mitchell opposes that stuff too. Her and her neighbors are against the installation of traffic calming measures that could avert the need for a full road closure, such as sidewalks. So this seems less to do about keeping kids in the neighborhood safe and more to do with keeping the riffraff out of the neighborhood. And it gets worse. This is the argument that Andrea Mitchell makes at the local ANC meeting for why they can't, can't build sidewalks. Quote, The only way that the street could be widened to accommodate a sidewalk would be from our homes. These are homes that were originally built during the Civil War. Mine was built in 1865, as was my next door neighbors, as farmhouses by freed slaves. This is an historic community, an African-American community going back to the 1860s. It's a very special place, and it's the unique character of our road that makes it very, very difficult to accommodate, if not impossible to accommodate a sidewalk without taking down houses. (laughs) So there's the claim here that she lives in a historically black neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) And there's the claim that you can't build a sidewalk without having to knock down homes. Want to weigh in in on any of this, Sam? You know, you're familiar with this area. Yeah, I I grew up not far from here. Um, This is about as far from a black neighborhood as you can get. I mean, maybe it was in 1865, you know? Yeah, when... Basically, all of D.C., but Georgetown and Capitol Hill were farmland. Yeah. For the record, this is the street. Okay, there are houses. They're very expensive houses on one side of the street. On the other side of the street is a park. So you could very easily build a sidewalk on the park side of the street without destroying the houses. You would think so. You would think so. This is, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, to be fair to her, if if I were married to Alan Greenspan, I would be worried about people coming into my neighborhood and uh, telling me to fuck myself as well. She's also talking about the unique character, implying that like it's full of houses that were built in the 1860s, and maybe hers was, and maybe her neighbor's was. But if you go on Google Map View and you know go down the street. They're all modern houses. They're all houses that have been built fairly recently. They are not houses that were there in 1865. No, yeah, they're, they're absolutely. <laughs> I, I posted this story uh, on Twitter earlier this week and someone replied like, shouldn't we be cheering getting rid of cars off roads? Like, isn't that a good thing? That's not what's at play here, okay? She still wants to, to be able to cars. drive there. She still wants to be able to drive there. Her neighbors still want to drive there. They don't want like a place for more pedestrian traffic to put up pop-up restaurants and bars here. That's not what's happening. They want a private driveway. They want the city to give them a gated community at the public's expense. Yeah, she's not asking for a bus line to go up and down. Yeah, and it looks like <laughs> she might win. Shadebridge Road. It looks like she might win, honestly. The District Department of Transportation put out a notice of intent that they plan to close through traffic on the streets, not just during rush hour, but all the time. 
the uh, local ANC there uh, is pushing back against that, saying this is bullshit. That park is one of the most beloved sledding hills in D.C. So they're they're trying to take away. They're basically this is like a closing the rec center level of evil here. And also, for the record, yeah, that the the park is called Battery Kimball Park, and it, it's a, um, it was a Civil War era, uh, uh, defense installation. So she's also apparently they want to take away a historic landmark from from public consumption. So, um, Andrea Mitchell, not a good look. Not at all. Not at all. Finally, garbage can number six, Brian Kilmeade. So uh, he was uh, serving as he was actually the guest host for Tucker Carlson on Thursday night. Uh, Tulsi was the night before. Uh, Kilmeade was going after the judge who signed off on the warrant to raid Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago residence. Judge's name is Bruce Reinhardt. And during this, you know, ostensibly a news broadcast, Kilme said, here's a picture of Bruce Reinhardt and proceeded to air a photo that was so obviously photoshopped of Bruce Reinhardt getting a foot massage from Ghislaine Maxwell. <laughs> the original photo is Jeffrey Epstein, but someone has replaced Jeffrey Epstein's head with Bruce Reinhardt. Jesus. And Kilme tosses to it on his show saying this is a picture of Bruce Reinhardt, clearly. And and the show the picture isn't up long enough for people to like really take it in. It's up for a few seconds, and then you can tell some producer at Fox is like, wait a second, that's clearly photoshopped. Which Brian Kilmeade obviously didn't realize. My guess is Brian Kilmeade found it, gave it to his producer, is like, I want to put this on the air. One producer was like, Yeah, sure, let's make a graphic, put it on the air, and then like another producer is like, That's clearly photoshopped. We have to take that down. Even Sean Hannity, when Kilmeade handed off his show to Sean Hannity for the 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. hour, whenever Hannity comes on, Hannity was like, I think that photo was photoshopped. Someone <laughs> it was probably- too depraved, even for Sean Hannity. Someone probably told him to say that because there are FCC regulations against airing a hoax. And, uh, you know, the FCC is pretty deferential to all these cable news, whomever. And I, I suppose you could argue that you wouldn't want it the other way around. You wouldn't want government um, censors clamping down uh, excessively. In the case of Fox News, though, you have to wonder. The FCC won't let Brian Kilmeade be. (laughs) I don't know, man. They just they just get away with a lot. And it's it's to the point where. If this is your definition of free speech, a a multi-billion dollar corporation just pumping out very clearly just falsehood after falsehood. I don't know, man. I don't know. All right. We've got uh, (laughs) beginning to think this first amendment interpretation here is, is not really working out for us. (laughs) All right. We've got Brian Kilmeade, Andrea Mitchell, Tulsi Gabbard, the let's work with MTG to abolish the FBI crowd, Hillary Clinton and the C 
Die. Sie. <laughs> who, Damn. Who do we this like is here? this is tough. I think the first three speak to me. Are very strong. Very strong. I look, I'll admit that probably the third one is a little too online for people uh for our wider audience, so maybe we should give them the pass. Ah, uh, okay. Actually, I take that back. Andrea Mitchell is also a very good candidate here. I think that she's probably the best candidate. I mean, she was named Rich Dick on uh, mm. Means Morning News. Uh, so maybe, you know, and, you know, Sam also works on that show. We both work on that show. Maybe we're doing a bit of an overkill. Uh, All right, let, let's just go with the CDC. How about that? We've probably thrown Hillary... Oh, in the garbage can a, a million times we don't want to give her we don't want to lead to a hillary revival here let's no. not give her the oxygen cdc you are going, going to in the, garbage the garbage can, can. uh-oh we left a bunch of used syringes in there Oof, ouch, each, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ooh, ooh. that is the show thank you for listening thank you for your support we'll be back next week with a brand new episode will we You're, you'll be around next week right Yes, I will be around next week. Uh, the two weeks after that, I won't be around, but next week. Around. But next week, we will be around. So tune in. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be. <laughs> <laughs>